Okay, I think we're live. <laughs> sorry, sorry for that, everyone. Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I am your co-host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad Mara, Mama Jamma, Carrie Smith, who is responsible for me screwing up the very beginning because I was trying to unmute her, and it was taking a long time, and I can't. She's not directly responsible. She's still muted. Let me figure out how to unmute her. I don't know why it doesn't like me. It doesn't want me to unmute you, Carrie. I think I think I unmuted my. Wait, do it again. Unmute yourself again. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it gave me the option to. Okay. Hi, guys. I am sorry about that. that. So that was a kind of a cluster. But hey, here we are. I like the new, I like the new intro a lot. You've been it's tweaking fun. it. I just need to. Yeah, well, so I have it now set up. So I just type in a date and it reproduces a new one with the correct date. Um, and uh, the transition to the other screen. It's a mess. We kind of need a producer. Like I need someone to just sit here and press buttons while we start. Uh, but um, <clears throat> we need an we intern. We're going to be so, yeah, yeah we're going to be intern. posting. We're going to be posting a, a job, a job, an internship opening. So if you know any college kids who would like a credit, we'll let people know. Yeah, except for they're diamonds in the rough because they're college kids who uh, aren't, you know, hypersensitive snowflakes. So right. Uh, by the way, so some good news before we even start the program. I mean, we've started, but before we start our topic, uh, we have unsafespace.com now instead of .co. So unsafespace.com, yay. Also, our Twitter handle is now unsafespace. So we're all right. brand consistent. Now we just need to actually build an audience and produce decent content. So <laughs> uh, hey, the, the easy part is over, uh, I guess, or whatever. Um, Carrie, we want to... So I, I, we want to talk about Twitter and Facebook in particular, but I guess social media, we'll call it censorship in general. Of, yeah. I, want, I don't even like to say conservatives because it's not conservatives. No. It's opinions. I say, um, I usually say wrong thinkers because that covers yeah. pretty much anyone who doesn't toe the SJW line. Yeah, that's completely accurate. It's, it's wrong thinkers. Um, and uh, so, you know, a month ago uh, when Jack Dorsey was, I mean, we've been talking about this and paying attention to this for a while. And, and actually before the show, I was just noticing I had done, there's like an old episode of Unsafe Space where I talk about how I did like a quick cursory analysis of how Twitter um, treats sexual harassment allegations um, depending on whether the uh, accused is a Republican or Democrat. Um, and, you know, it's not a super scientific study, but, you know, there's there are numbers and I counted things and looked for, like, you know, I, I tried to really figure out if it was true. Um, and the evidence is pretty clear. You can find that somewhere on the page. Uh, I think I think it's it says something about uh, media. I think the title is something about media really cares about sexual harassment or something. Hmm. But um, so, you know, I've been kind of paying attention to this for a while. And I know Carrie has as well. And about a month ago, Jack Dorsey was on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Uh, and I think most people should know who Joe Rogan is. It's one of the most popular podcasts. And that episode bombed. Um, like Joe Rogan's audience hated it. They downvoted it at a ratio of like six and a half to one. Mm. Um, he was uh, really ridiculed for not asking difficult questions and kind of you know softballing Jack and not, not asking good follow-up questions. Um, 
and obviously Jack was uh, not appreciated as well, and he got a lot of flack for it. So they both needed to kind of uh, have a redemption moment, and that attempt was uh, just a couple days ago on Tuesday. Jack came back, so about a month later, returned to the Joe Rogan podcast. It was like a three-and-a-half-hour episode, um, and uh, and this time Jack brought a uh, the general counsel from Twitter uh, with him, and... Joe wisely brought Tim Pool, independent mm -hmm. uh, journalist Tim Pool, with him. And Tim did all of the heavy lifting uh, in terms of the interview. And, uh, and it's a good thing he was there because it was a much better interview. I haven't looked at the numbers on, on YouTube, but I imagine people liked it a lot better than uh, the first one. Uh, and if I you guys up... don't know uh, Tim Pool, like Carter said, he's an independent journalist. And... I think he's on Twitter as Tim Cast, um, and Tim. Yes. I love Tim Pool because CAST. Yeah, CAST. Yeah. Tim Pool is a liberal. Like he's someone I would say I'm in kind of in when people ask me to identify myself or whatever. What, what on the political spectrum, um, he gets the same kind of pushback that I get, where people call him alt right. They call him conservative. He's like he's not even on the right. He's a social liberal, and but because he's anti SJW, because he speaks against the SJW ideology, they automatically call him far right. And I get the same kind of criticism from the left. They're like, oh, you can't be a liberal. But I love I love him for that because there are it it's great to see uh, a spectrum, people with a spectrum of uh, points of view who agree on this one important thing, which is that the SJW ideology is messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dave Rubin's another example of someone yeah. who's on the on the, uh, the liberal end of the spectrum, but is in agreement on these issues. And yeah, Tim, actually, I think he got his start and his his rise to fame happened well, when he covered Occupy Wall Street. Um, so that's the that's where he's coming from. Right. Yeah. Um, he's he's not a he's not a guy on the right. Um, but, you know, so I ended up uh, I wrote a quick article. There's a link to it b below um, just with my kind of takeaways. Uh, my four takeaways from this uh, this second Twitter interview with with Jack, but also in the last, or sorry, Joe Rogan and Tim interview with Jack um, and his lawyer, whose name uh, I don't, and I'm not lawyer. avoiding. I don't want to. I don't want to. I her first name is hard to pronounce for me. It's it looks like it should be Vijaya or Vijaya, but it's not. It's a uh, Vijaya Vija or something. I think they were saying Vijaya Gad. So I don't want to butcher her name because that's you not know what's my funny. Um, so I watched. I haven't watched the whole thing like you have, Carter, but I watched half of it this morning and um, with my friend Mandy, and we were watching it. And at uh, Joe Rogan had the same. He was like, "I don't want to mispronounce your name. Let me get it right." And immediately, I'm like watching it as an SJW triggered racist. They hate that they they try to make you think that something is wrong with asking how to pronounce a name so that you might get it you might say it correctly that if that that as if that's somehow a bad thing to want to right. learn right. how to pronounce someone's name correctly anyway yeah just no minor, this, is, this christina wong um um made this case with her kids remember she was like people sometimes don't know how to pronounce my name and she was like see they're racist it's like I, no it's that you know they grew up with names like joe and samantha and your name is different which is fine but mm -hmm. you're from a different culture, so with with frankly different, um, uh, different phonetic pronunciations of of Arabic, uh, sorry, uh, Roman characters, 
like I'm learning Chinese right now. And like, you can't just read the pinyin as if it's the, the letters sound the way they do in English. So you need help. That's, yeah. that's it's actually quite polite and respectful to ask. To ask, um, and not to go from tangent, but one other quick note, you'll see, so SJWs try to make you feel bad for trying to pronounce the name correctly. They also try to make you feel bad for being curious about a person, like, where they're, like, hey, where are you from? Oh, no, you can't ask that. Only You can only ask that of a white person. And that in itself is freaking right. Like, it, you don't get to. I mean, look, SJWs are yeah. horrible scumbags with yeah. no morals. So Just pointing out yeah. two little things that they do. Okay, but let's get back on track. Yeah, anyway, so look, uh, also in the past week, in addition to this Joe Rogan uh, podcast, um, Project Veritas had, we, we, talked, we touched on this briefly in another episode, but Project Veritas had a, uh, had a former Facebook employee on talking about uh, this concept of uh, de-boosting uh, um, de posts on certain people, and they all seem to be conservative, and we'll talk about that as well. But you know, both of these both of these instant instances uh, got Carrie and I thinking it was time to have a, another discussion, kind of about anything around this topic, but really focusing on Twitter and Facebook and, and the recent news. I mean, I know there's YouTube and and other issues, but um, really want to look at what happened during this. What what would we learn from the Twitter, uh, the Twitter appearance on on Joe Rogan. So um, I don't know, Carrie, I've what was your overall impression of what you saw? Well, um, I think it's the same across. Pla I, I, I just want to make this statement first. This has been happening for a while and it's it's across platforms. It's not just Twitter. It's not just Facebook. It's not just YouTube. Um, it's not just Instagram. It's it's all of these platforms and they work in coordination with one another a lot of the time. So at, within these companies, they have, just like at colleges, they have these uh, Orwellian sounding departments of bias, uh, you know, anti-bias and inclusion. And, you know, they're, they have these Orwellian job titles where it's people's job to enforce the SJW ideology. Um, and so those people in those positions are absolutely coordinating with one another. I mean, that was obvious with the Alex Jones banning across platforms. Twitter just took longer to do it. They wanted to be able to say, see, we did our due diligence. Um, but right. so so I wanted to make that point because that's absolutely happening. And a lot of people on the left who I talked to about it continue to have their heads in the sand about it, continue to not believe that this is, this is a thing, that ideological censorship is a thing. Um, and so that was my takeaway from the Joe Rogan podcast with uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, Twitter and his lawyer, um, was that Tim, Tim Poole kept trying to point out, it, you apply the rules sub subjectively. You're not objective about it. You have an ideological lens through which you view things, and therefore the people that you are censoring and banning and suspending are people who are not of your ideology. And so that includes a lot of conservatives, obviously, but it also includes people who are liberal, but not SJW. And it includes libertarians. It includes anyone who doesn't toe the line. And the Twitter- It includes radical feminists who tweet It includes radical feminists, yes, Megan Murphy. Um, 
I think we're living in interesting times when you have, I, I'm really excited to see these interesting alliances forming where you have like radical feminists and conservatives like joining up forces against society. Yeah. I think that's frigging cool. Anyway, um, but yeah, my takeaway was that Twitter just didn't get it. They were, she was super dense. And I don't know if that's purposeful. I think it was intentional. No, it had to be intentional because they also lied. I, I mean, I'm going to accuse them of lying. Like, I, I, there's no way this wasn't a lie. Tim Poole mentioned the word intersectional and both <laughs> Jack uh, and uh, Madam Gad, I'll call her. I don't, I don't want to pronounce her first name because I'll screw it, screw it up. Uh, both Jack and his lawyer pretended like they never heard the word intersectional before. Now, keep in mind, Twitter's located on Market Street in San Francisco. That's their headquarters. <laughs> uh, I used to work in the Twitter building. Um, and, and I have a friend who still has an office in the Twitter building. Um, it is market streets where all of the, you know, all the marches and protests, like everything walks right past the Twitter building, right down market street. It's the hub of, you know, the San Francisco, you know, elitist social justice ideology. And so, and here, and here they are. Two executives from a company who who banned radical feminists for 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 saying men aren't women, claiming they've never heard the word intersectionality. <laughs> what does that mean? Says Jack, and the lawyer's like, "Gee, I don't, I don't know." I mean, it's it's so. I mean, what horrible liars! But That's liars, disingenuous. Right? And, and I mean, and it's obvious because they spent the first part of the interview defending this this i think is the most intersectionality defending intersectionality and what one of the most egregious uh policies they have in place now and and tim pool kept uh harping on this uh, rightfully so is the one that they used to ban megan murphy who's a radical feminist and she she's i i would say canada's most uh notable fe feminist feminist she runs a site called feminist current um they have a new policy where if you misgender or dead name someone, then they can ban you. And for those that don't know what those words mean, it means if you say, uh, like, like if a trans person, like if I if I decide I'm trans and I'm I become Charles, if you call me Carrie, you can be banned. Or if I say she, if I'm referring to you after right, that. or if you say um, she about me instead of he, you can be banned. And uh, obviously, this is being abused by people. And in fact, the guy who used it against Megan Murphy is a friggin' pervert who has over 16 open lawsuits open, like open in Canada against women who refuse to wax his genital area. Uh, like this is a guy who, and he's gross. He's like, just check out this dude. On, and he uses his dead name, or don't check him out. But he uses his dead name in his bio on Twitter. He he goes right. by Jonathan or Jessica, and it's in his bio. So she called him Jonathan, and that's somehow bad. This guy's abusive. Like, um, but she got banned. Anyway, yeah, and she's she's but. actually suing Twitter, I think, right now. Um, so good luck to her. Um, but yeah, I so they were dishonest. One of the main takeaways for me was like the, the just the clear dishonesty. Um. But I want to point out something. You 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 were talking about. We can go through some of the cases that they um that they discussed on the show but you were talking about how the the rules aren't applied objectively and i i my opinion on this here is i don't those rules can't be applied objectively because i don't want to say this 
if you have complete freedom of speech, right? You let anyone say anything, then you can make a case that you're neutral and you're not involved in pushing any particular ideology because you're just like, look, we're gonna let people argue it out, we're leaving them alone. This is kind of the, the philosophical origins of the First Amendment in part, in part, right? Which is this idea that the United States is this free for all of ideas. Now, there, there were, it's not entirely true because there was a lot of Supreme Court rulings against some, some weird, against the First Amendment in a lot of weird cases in it. And there's, there's a weird history with the First Amendment. But um, in general, there's this idea that it's this, you know, free marketplace of ideas. That, that wasn't a term back in the founding of the country, but there's this free marketplace of ideas and, and the government was gonna remove itself from, from pushing any particular ideology, enforcing any particular speech codes. Now, if, you're, if you have that stance, and I'm not saying Twitter has to have that stance, they are a private company, we can talk about that too, but if you have that stance, then you can claim that, well, look, I'm trying to be as neutral as possible. I mean, I'm just, I'm letting people have their, their, their debates. I'm letting people be rude to each other and call each other men when they're women or vice versa, or, you know, be nasty or whatever. Um, because it's none of my business. Uh, I just host the platform. But as soon as you decide, and, and this was Tim's point, as soon as you decide to add rules on top of that, that regulate how people talk to one another, um, those rules necessarily represent some ideology. It doesn't matter what that ideology is. It might be one that you think is great. Like, uh, you know, you you shouldn't, um, maybe you agree that you shouldn't misgender people and like, you think that's just, you know, obviously correct. Well, that's an ideology. Um, you know, uh, someone on the, on the conservative right might say, well, you can't call a, you can't call an unborn child a fetus because that's dehumanizing them and they need to be called people and yeah. okay, but that's their ideology, right? That's their belief system, right? So any any rules you put in place around language are necessarily distorting the conversation. Right? Yes. And, and Twitter does not see that. And I don't think they're stupid. So I think that they don't want to see that. Um, I think it's willful evasion because I don't, Carrie, I don't know. I, how can they not see that? I I mean, I I struggle with this question about SJWs in general. And again, I think some some are willfully uh, dishonest and, and they know what they're pushing and they'll just lie. But others, I think, really don't see it. I mean, there's a guy I talk to a lot. But if you're running a major company and you're writing these policies, you have to like, you can't be in the category of people who are just like, dump it on, I don't know. Right. No, I think I think you might be able to be that delusional. I mean, there's a guy I think I've mentioned before is a professional SJW. I know, you know, he works in activism and, and um, he's argued with me several times where I'll post like if I post an article from a conservative site like the Daily Wire or whatever, he'll be like, that article is biased and this is from this point of view. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And they tell you what their point of view is. And I agree with you. It, it It's talking about what happened. It's not It's not that it's not factual. Everything they say in the article is factual, but it's through a certain biased perspective, a certain point of view. And I appreciate the fact that they're upfront about that point of view. Um, then he'll share. So we're in agreement there, right? Then he'll share an article from the mainstream news that's also biased and from a different point of view. 
and he can't see it. And I'll say, but how can you see the bias with the conservative site? And you can't see it in this, this completely same news incident from two different points of view. And I don't think he's lying. I think he truly, and I was trying to explain to him kind of like Tim was talking to this lawyer because this is your ideology and you view it as truth. You don't view it as an ideology. You view it as this is the way the world is. Maybe that makes it impossible for you to see it. Like that's your own bias. You can't see, you can't, you can't see that this paper or this headline or whatever is biased because you share it. I don't know, but I, but other, but other people have the, uh, I like that you used when you when you wrote about it and you tweeted about the interview. You talked about um, self awareness because yeah. I I know other people who do have the self awareness to say, "Hey, I share this position, but it is a it is from a particular point of view. It's not truth. It's not the one way of seeing the world. It's my perspective on it." Right? I don't know if I'm making sense, but I can't I can't tell if they I don't know if they're all lying. I think some of them are really so self-deluded that they really believe. At one point, this lawyer said, and I wrote this down because I couldn't believe it. Um, Joe Rogan said he was giving an example. He said, so if someone says, uh, quote, if you are born with a double X chromosome, you will never be X, Y. And the lawyer for Twitter says, well, if he wants to express that opinion, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hold on. That's not an opinion. <laughs> That's a right. biological fact. If you have a double X chromosome, you will never be XY. That's not an opinion. But because she's so in, in that ideology, it's like you, she's not even hearing what she's saying. To her, that bio, statement of biological fact is an opinion suddenly. Right. It's crazy. Right. Which is, which is why I think, um, I, I don't actually think Twitter should strive to be ideological, new, ideologically neutral because I don't think anyone can really be ideologically neutral. I think they just need to be honest about um, their perspective. Like I have a perspective, right? Mm -hmm. My perspective is based on, and by the way, I think my perspective is true. I think it's arguably true. I think it's demonstrably true. I think ultimately my perspective will be proven right, but it's still different than other people's perspectives, right? And so, um, my perspective is based largely on enlightenment values, which include things like the, the importance of freedom of speech, right? And individual expression. And so um, if I were to build Twitter, I would build those values into my platform, but I would be honest about, um, look, hey, you know what? There might be some crazy bigots on this platform saying stuff that I think is hateful and horrible, but my worldview precludes me from being able to shut them up mm -hmm. because I believe in freedom of speech. That's um, a great point. And Can that I interrupt? very clear. That's a great point because they lie. Jack Dorsey and that lawyer are sitting there saying that they build their platform around the very things you're talking about, the ideas of the enlightenment around free speech. They're claiming to be about free speech. They're not about free speech. If they were just honest and said the most important thing to us is protecting these uh, identity groups of people. It, it, the most important thing to us is intersectionality. The most right. important thing to us is pushing this belief system or protecting this belief system and censoring those who oppose it. Cool. At least you're being honest. Right. And and I think that would be that would be fine. You know, we can get into whether regulations are a good idea. I don't think they are. But I. I I think the big problem with with Twitter is their um, duplicitousness, duplicity, um, right? They're they're acting, they're paying lip service to to uh, enlightened 
Enlightenment beliefs. And and even um, the lawyer even quoted Justice Brandeis. She says, let me read this quote. I've got it right here. Hold on. <laughs> she says, one of my favorite sayings is that sunlight is the best disinfectant. And it's so, so, so true. Like one of the biggest problems with censorship is the fact that you push people underground and you don't know what's going on. And this is something I worry about. Now, I'm like, when she said that, I think everyone was like stunned. Like, wait, did you just did you just switch sides? Did you just wake up from a coma? What just happened, right? But of course, Tim asks the next obvious follow-up question, as should. He says, then why do you ban all these people from yeah. the rules, right? <laughs> Liars. And, right, but her answer is actually quite quite telling after this. Her answer is, well, because I worry about driving people away from the platform. And to me, this is a, a demonstration. I, I don't think, and maybe it's because I'm, I, I've spent the last 20 years with founders in Silicon Valley and I've got friends who've built companies, um, you know, actually one friend I know who I won't name, who's built a company bigger than Twitter. Um, and uh, there is um, there is a lack of, well, obviously there's a lack of religion in Silicon Valley, which, which uh, means that there's a whole set of, you know, when, when people have uh, moral or ethical belief systems, you know, some, some people take those belief systems from religion, right? So if you're, if you're not religious, then that rules out getting belief, that belief system from religion, okay? Um, and we've talked about this before, for the secular world, there's very few people who actually do the work and um, attempt to have an integrated, consistent, hierarchical, moral view of the world that's secular. Instead, what they do is they just kind of, you know, they have this kind of ad hoc grab bag of cliche moral sayings mm -hmm. and they shove them together. And But those sayings are contradictory and not an integrated system and ultimately self-destructive because they're contradictory. Some of them are just outright wrong or, you know, taken out of context or whatever. And they, they, don't, they don't necessarily fit together and make sense and form a cohesive view of the world. And if I were to describe what I see in Jack's ideolo quote, ideology, um, I don't think he is a dedicated social justice intersectionality person. I think he's got a grab bag of these kind of pop culture viewpoints mm -hmm. smushed together without any real intellectual analysis on them. And they're kind of ruled by this overarching um, Silicon Valley pragmatism of like of business and startup culture, which is like this pragmatic business approach to like, well, whatever works, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's really just trying to kind of make whatever works, make his company succeed and blah, 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 blah. And when the questions of right or wrong come up, he can just kind of grab from one cliche that fits his narrative in that moment and a different cliche when he wants to say something else, which is what the lawyer did, right? When she wants to act like, oh yeah, yeah, we're about free speech, here's this quote, I really love it. Oh yeah, 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 we're also about this other thing, which by the way, contradicts free speech, right? Mm -hmm. um, this idea that like worrying about people scaring other people off the platform, like that is not compatible with free speech but she doesn't see the contradiction because she doesn't look for contradictions because she's not trying to integrate a system of ethics or morals. She's just like, it's a grab it's just, bag of crap and she'll throw, you know, like, it's a la carte. To, yeah, and she's trying to talk. I mean, honestly, when she said that, I was thinking in my head that like there was a little program running in her brain that was like, what syllables must I make to have Tim shut up? 
Oh, <laughs> say the syllables. Find the syllables so Tim will nod and ask a different question and move on. Like, are they, will it be these syllables? Like, there's no meaning behind anything she's saying, right? Because she doesn't, she doesn't give a crap. She's not trying to analyze it and actually have a morally uh, thought out integrated position. No. And I think that's what Jack is as well. Um, and I think that's why he's frightened. He's clearly frightened of this whole thing because he doesn't know how to react to it. He came back on Joe Rogan like within a month, which is that's like a he, he's a busy guy. He runs two publicly traded companies. He came back on to talk with a comedian uh, about, about his platform for three and a half freaking hours with his lawyer. Um, right. He's scared. Well, he, he doesn't know what to do. And he has no idea. He's like adrift. A he doesn't know how to handle this. But you know what? He I think. It might be that he's scared and he's trying to figure out how to handle it like a uh, damage control in terms of the image of Twitter. But I think it's also that he seems to me, this is just my gut reaction, as someone who wants people to like him and wants to be seen as someone who's fair and doesn't. And, and, and so he's coming on this to be like, look, we're open and we're going to discuss this because he, he wants to win people over. But it it's what he is saying and what his law, what the Twitter lawyer is saying is fundamentally at odds with how they actually operate. So you're, you're hundred percent right. And that's just Phil that's Silicon Valley business development attitude. One one, right. That's all that like is. Him. That's yeah. Like, Oh yeah, I'm reasonable and open. Like that's just how people talk to each other to get venture capital money and have business development conversations. Right. Like mm -hmm. this is just him. That's how he's learned to live his life. Right. He doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you do that when you don't have examined, um, moral beliefs when you haven't examined them when you've examined them you have opinions but he's very reticent to have an opinion right he like he doesn't have a lot of opinions especially not anything that might be remotely controversial right he mm -hmm. says things like well maybe people should do blah 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 that feels good to me it's like what yeah. the fuck is that sorry I'm <laughs> not supposed to swear anymore but like what what is that what like, what kind of a leader are you and the answer yeah. is he's a direction he's a he's a leader with no moral compass and and he's like guided purely by pragmatism and this set of like ad hoc beliefs. I know I ranted, but no, you're it fine. Really bothers I'm, me. I'm that, just taking that, some that, notes that, here. That thing really bothered me. Um, um. So one thing I was gonna say, and I wish I had uh, pulled this up beforehand so I could remember the exact quote. But uh, there's a CEO who I think is worse, who's also named Jack. It's the Patreon CEO. I don't know if you've seen any of his interviews. Yeah, yeah, Jack he is worse. Hot. He is worse. Um, he's he's a died. I think he's a died in the wool SJW. He even said something in one video that was basically like he something. And I wish I could pull up the quote, but it's like we're going to teach you how to be good people. Like no, yeah, that's, see, that's I not don't your think job. Jack necessarily knows he's lying as much as like the other as the Patreon Jack. Like he knows damn well he's lying his ass off. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Patreon guy is really that's skeezy. What I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look him up, people. Look him up on YouTube. Yeah. He's gross. Yeah, I think we also did a video about him, or I did, or you did. Some there's something on. I haven't, but um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to he, talk about him sometime. I think he's a weasel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> weasels. A, weasels the right uh, animal to choose. Um, he's that's his spirit animal. So um, yeah, you, really quickly. You, so uh, go ahead, one. Go oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Just a list of people because uh, Tim referred to uh, a, a Colette piece where this person did kind of trying to do an empirical analysis of these bannings on Twitter. And out of the 22, I think it was 22 of the most prominent people with the biggest audience, prominent figures who've been banned from Twitter, 21 of them were conservatives. So right. 
I mean, just look at was, the numbers. Was the twenty second one Megan Murphy? <laughs> Uh, that's funny, probably. Um, if you, but just just off the top of your head, and I'm talking now. I'm talking across platform, like the people that have been banned are like. Look at this list: Milo, Owen Benjamin, Lauren Southern, Alex Jones, Tommy Robinson, Gavin McInnes, Megan Murphy, Sargon of Akkad. Like, and I'm talking about across, some of these are on Twitter, some are on YouTube, some are on sure. Instagram, yeah. etc. But but they're across platform and. I can't think of anyone on the left other than Meg. I mean, no, well, Sargon is another liberal, but he's a wrong thinker. Um, yeah, and Alex Meg Jones actually isn't on the right, even though everyone thinks he is. He's right. not on the right. And Megan Murphy is on the left. She's a radical feminist. But I can't think of any SJW. Let me put it this way. I can't think of any SJW who's been banned. Look at Sarah Jong. The, she got hired. All she's done is post racist tweets against white people for right. years. And then she got hired to be a New York Times opinion piece writer She's not kicked off Twitter. She's rewarded with a mainstream yeah, they media explain, job. They explained it. They're like, oh, well, um, those tweets happened before our policy. on So we, don't uh, look back <laughs> in time. we only look back in time when it's Alex Jones or something. We only it's look like, back in time when it's Alex Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, it, it's we should probably go through the the some of the cases because maybe everyone's not familiar with what all the cases are. We don't have to go through all of them. But um, we should probably talk about some of them. Uh, and but before we do, can I? Can I? Yeah. I know I've just ranted. I just want to make another point. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Because we talked about it before the show, and you just you just reminded me uh, of it with something you said. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about they don't apply these rules fairly, and I I and I just you know gave my rant about how. You know, I don't, I think there's a grab bag of ideology and blah, 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 right? But um, they are using a tactic that is um, well rehearsed and, and common among governments, especially uh, more authoritarian governments. And that, this is a tactic that I think is really important for people to see um, because um, our government uh, has been doing it for decades and more and more and more and increasingly uh, they're doing this and Twitter is doing this now and some of these other social media platforms are doing it and and I want to explain what this tactic is and some of you may have heard of it but it's this idea that you make everything elite you make everything legal everyone is a criminal potentially and you do that by having far-reaching vague subjective rules that could be at any given time interpreted against any individual on the entire platform um, because they're far-reaching enough and uh, vague enough and subjective enough that if I decide that Carrie is my enemy, I can find some way in which she's a criminal by my rules. And once you criminalize the entire population, when governments do this, once you criminalize the entire population, then you are, uh, you are relieved from the responsibility for explaining uh, how you're going after your political enemies or, or the fact that you are going after your enemies because you can always justify why you've arrested someone. You can always point to like, well, section 4.7 and A, section 4.7 A, we kind of felt this is a violation, especially given the context of this thing over here. It's other yeah. law. And so, you know, you know, he's kind of a criminal, right? But they never have to answer that question, you know, when it's someone who's on their side because they're yeah. often aren't asked. And even if they are asked, 
they just interpret things slightly differently and say, oh, well, that's kind of ridiculous. And you have to nod your head and say, well, it would be ridiculous to ban that person for this. But the fact is you are ridiculous in how you apply them to other people. To so, other people. They're right. such hypocrites. They're selectively applying. You're right. They make these laws, but then they apply the laws. They apply the rules selectively. Exactly. And, and that's the reason to have far-reaching subjective laws. It's so that you can do that without having to be held accountable for your behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something that um, I don't know if it's intentional, but I, part of me really thinks it is intentional. Um, maybe not Jack, although uh, best case, I'm sure he intentionally looks the other way about it. But I think this this expansion of rules, it's, it's, it's so that they can do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is what, and bureaucracies kind of naturally like this, regardless of their ideology, because it gives them more power. So as soon as you start building a bureaucracy that regulates something, whether it's a government or even in, in a private entity, um, that bureaucracy is kind of self-feeds because it wants more power and wants to yeah. expand and wants a bigger budget. So like they need more and more rules and the more subjective those rules are, the better, right? Because, you know, then they, they get more power that way too. So I think that's kind of what Twitter is doing. Well, it's not kind of. That is what Twitter is doing, um, and I and I think it's important for people to notice that. You can notice it with the federal government. You can notice it with Twitter. You can notice it on YouTube. You can notice it all across um, the internet and all of these companies that are doing these things. That's what they're doing. And when you look at their count, when you look at the the competitors like Gab that come up, right? I know Gab's a drop in the bucket. It's tiny compared to Twitter, but you know, Gab is trying to say like, we're not gonna have these rules. We don't have, we're not gonna, we're trying not to build a big set of rules, right? And that's the only way that they can kind of prevent any of these these problems by saying like, look, we're not criminalizing our audience. Um, but Twitter is criminalizing their audience so that they can then go remove those people who they want to remove. They can interpret, we, we can talk about some of the things that they interpreted, but they can interpret things however they want. That's the end of my rant number two. I'm gonna shut up, Carrie. Can no, you I'm, I'm listening. So. I, I like your rant. I um, It is exactly so they can selectively apply it. And uh, I had a thought there. I wish I'd taken a note. Uh, I'll come back to it. <laughs> Laura mentions, and I, I talk about this in, in my article, uh, Laura mentions that the lawyer keeps using the word context, right? She keeps saying, well, well, you take the context, right? But she's dismissing the broader context, which is mm -hmm. like, you know, we're only talking about these Alex Jones tweets, not this, you know, the tweets from Sarah Jong or whoever you were just mentioning. Um, so. Right. They, yeah. they, well, even, okay. So I noted another, uh, uh, hypocrisy early on in the video, just to go to your point of how they selectively apply the rules. The lawyer said, the lawyer for Twitter said, uh, I think Tim, Tim pool was asking her about, um, the Covington kids controversy. And he was mentioning Kathy Griffin and other celebrities and other blue check marks on Twitter, other verified like celebrities, uh, uh, journalists, uh, po politicians, whoever, who were engaging in this mob against these kids um, based on misinformation, based on fake news. Kathy Griffin and some of the others were asking that people post those kids' names. And, right. and so the lawyer responded to that by saying, she essentially said, well, that's not doxing. That, right, names don't, don't count. Names alone names, aren't doxing. Names alone aren't doxing, right? So then so then I was like, okay, that's her definition of, of what's not doxing. Later on, when she's explaining why they banned Milo, her second point was that he doxed 
someone. So maybe if, if somebody's watching and knows who she's talking about, she doesn't mention who it is, but I did some research and the only person I can find is this student at Berkeley who was protesting him. Uh, and he posted a picture of this person uh, from there, or he posted a, a, a screenshot of their Facebook page. He, he didn't post any personal information like address or phone number or email or any of the stuff she was saying is actual doxing. So, yeah. so she contradicts herself. She's like, well, naming a person isn't doxing. Hey, but we banned Milo because he named a person. Right. Right. I think you're right. I don't he, think he did do, I think he just no, dropped a name. Um, I don't think he doxed anyone. And if I'm wrong, please, I'd like to see if he posted someone's mm -hmm. contact info or whatever that was private uh, previously, please let me know. But there was even an article written about it with this SJW goes and uh, does a, you know, the interview circuit of crying tears about having been doxxed. And there's nothing in there about actually being doxxed at all. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm I'm using my free speech to protest him and call him things that he's not. And then he uses his free speech to highlight that. And now I'm the victim. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. In fact, uh one of the strikes, so Megan Murphy's cases, and let's walk through a few cases. Megan mm -hmm. Murphy's case is one of the first ones I talked about. It's actually quite interesting because um, one of the, so they talked about like having three strikes. One of Megan Murphy's strikes, so like the first strike I think was, uh, I don't remember the order of the strikes, but one of the strikes was her saying um, men aren't women, right? Yeah, and, which is a biological fact. Right, which is a biological fact. And um they interpreted that as an attack that was so the lawyer was very um adamant about saying well the, the attacks have to be personal like you can it's you know if you're going after someone in particular that's when we really get and and when she said men aren't women she was she was it was in this conversation with a trans person and so she was attacking them in this right now that's a ridiculous thing for her to say um it's, so it's a ridiculous position right it's so a what because position. Because, and allow me to interrupt for a second. That's fine. Joe Rogan, I'm, I'm I think. I'm babbling today. So yeah, well, he made, I think he me. made the point. Uh, maybe it was Tim that made the point. But um, you're basically setting up a protected group now based on identity. Because who cares if that person that she's talking to is trans or not? A point is a point in a debate. A right. point is a point. Hey, men are not women. Oh, my God. Did you say it to a trans person or not? It was a trans person? Oh, it's hate speech. Right. Like That's exactly right. <laughs> And, and so Megan Murphy realized how ridiculous this was. They She got a strike for this. And then she got another strike for the, basically the same thing because she reposted, she like took a screenshot of the tweet and said, this is a bad rule. So she got another strike for that. And I don't remember what the third strike was, but um, it, oh, it's- Oh, I, uh, I think one of the strikes was, I don't remember if they, if they mentioned this or not, but like I said, she supposedly dead named this person. Oh, that's uh, right, you're right. But she, he she goes by- yeah, but he goes by Jonathan online. So, right. I mean, and even if he doesn't, I don't care. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing right. dead naming is 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 like Tim was trying to point out. It is one particular ideological view. There's a whole ton, millions of people who do not agree that it is unethical or immoral or abuse or harassment to use a person's given name or to use. The pronoun that aligns with their bio, their biological sex. So you can disagree on that, but it is not. It, they're acting as if this particular sliver of this one very narrow ideal SJW ideology is the correct lens through which to view the world. No, they're right. <laughs> right. 
Right. And they won't admit that that's what they're doing. They're admitting like this little sliver of the way to view the world. This is the way that everyone views. No, it's not. Yep. Like, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm ranting. I'm just in frustrated today. I'm like, not as I, my points aren't that insightful. I'm just kind of like angry. <laughs> no, I, I'm angry too. Right. Because it's, it's, uh, it's infuriating to watch how, uh, willfully dense, uh, both Jack and his lawyer were, um, but so they they did the Megan. So that was the Megan Murphy thing, right? So I think the conclusion there was they kind of justified it. Well, she transplanted, and it's that launched this discussion about what you said, like protected classes and whatever. So there was no resolution there. Um, although I did think that, I do think they ended up talking about like maybe there should be a path to redemption, which really bothered me because it sounded mm. so high and mighty. It's like you're like. Oh, well, maybe we'll let them grovel and tell us why they've changed and blah, blah, blah. Right. I, I didn't like that line of discussion at all, but. Like uh, re-education camps, you know? Yeah, it really reeked of that. Um, but oh, anyway, wait, wait, so then, I've got a word for this. No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, oh, what was this? Emotional labor camps. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're emotional labor camps. Ah. <laughs> Well, I mean, honestly, calling someone an SJW may be banned at some point because they'll just decide that it's, uh, you know, hate oh, speech yeah. somehow. So for, um, for to that point, for people who haven't seen the other video that Carter mentioned, the Project Veritas video, where they spoke to a former Facebook employee who revealed that, yes, obviously, they have these things called de-boosting algorithms that... Um, that downvote that that make it harder for you to see content from certain wrong thinkers like Mike Cernovich is deboosted and Steven Crowder is deboosted. Um, in that interview, she also revealed that they have certain words that um, will will uh, tag you as a troll. Well, that will get you listed as a troll. And I th you've mentioned this in one of our previous podcasts, Carter. But just so people know, if you use the term SJW, if you use the term MSM for mainstream media. Uh, if you use the term Overton window, then you're that's they consider you a right wing troll, which is absurd and and is discriminatory and 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 isn't even factually true. I mean, I use those terms and I am not a right winger, uh, nor am I a troll, although I will troll occasionally, my Halloween costumes being a good example. But you know, it's not I like love your Halloween costumes. It yeah, makes but, me long for Halloween. Yeah, but see, you can troll occasionally and not be a troll. And and they don't. Who cares uh, if you are a troll? It's a completely valid thing to be a troll. Be a troll. Yeah, be a troll. Who cares? I have no problem with it. They um anyway that just so people again so people know they if you use those terms, and I I I agree with you, Carter. At some point, they'll probably list that as hate speech. Well, one of the other ones on the Facebook list, Carrie, which which uh, irked me even more than SJW was the term Overton window. Yeah. Like how the, how that makes you a troll? I don't know. Um, so anyway, Twitter. So they so that was Megan Murphy. They talked about Alex Jones, and that was weird because they took his they took video clips. So they it, they one of his strikes was he posted a video of a child being abused somehow, but it was it was like in the context of a discussion. He was like talking about it because the video was being talked about, and they were like, "Well, we never allow that." And then Tim was like, or, or Joe was like, well, I saw a video the other day on Twitter. Like it's, it's it was another one of these like horrible videos are on Twitter, but we only care if 
you know, people we don't like post and talk about the horrible video. Yeah. He wasn't posting it saying like, ha ha, look at this video. He was he was posting it um, in in the context of a discussion about uh, the horrible nature of the video. So, you know, but, that's go ahead. Well, yeah, you're right. They uh, the Alex Jones one was a great example, again, of their hypocrisy, because they basically said, you know, again, Jack wants people to like him and wants to look like he's fair. And he's unlike these other social media companies, he's weighing things. And so all of them, like at the same time, banned Alex Jones, except Twitter. And they were kind of. Right. He was like, we we haven't banned him, see? And then there was this huge pile on, this mob justice of SJWs going and, and pouring through his history to try and find objectionable tweets. And I love the fact that the law, the Twitter lawyer was like, no, we didn't allow the media to sway it. We didn't allow, they're basically, they're lying and saying they weren't, they didn't ban Alex Jones because of pressure, but yes, they did. They. She also said early in the interview that the main way they decide what what is objectionable what and what is not is they rely on users to report people so there's right. tons of people reporting his old tweets and stuff and it's it's what you said they they have these rules so that they can selectively enforce them and go back and comb everything you've ever said to try and find something to take it out of context to then say this is the reason why we're doing it yeah you know you're you're make you remind me of something else she so i think it was tim some might have been joe someone was talking about kind of this this mob thing that happens, right? Um, where like a bunch of people, uh, I think it was Tim saying, cause they, cause they banned, or I, they didn't ban, they, they punished uh, a uh, carnivore, a guy who like promotes like carnivore diets. And he got in trouble for uh, like an, a picture that they said was like animal violence, which was stupid. It doesn't matter. Um, but, it was a lion uh, eating something just yeah. so people know. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a lion eating, not a human, like a, another an animal right. that lions eat, right? Um, so uh, they, uh, was, oh, so Tim made this. Tim and Joe were kind of talking about like, oh well, um, you know, I think I think it was Tim that said, look, it's more likely the vegans who are going to get outraged and like pile on someone than it is like the carnivore. Like they don't, regular people don't do that. It's the left that forms these mobs and like dog piles. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, Joe and, and I think to some extent, even Tim let, uh, let the lawyer get away with something that I don't think they should have let her get away with, which is she kind of was like, well, you know, both sides, you never know, could be the mob, the mob could be these people, mm -hmm. could be that. And, and you know what, the truth is that like, most of this mob behavior is coming from the left. It's not coming from the right. Um, there are some, right? There's some examples of like, you know, weird coordinated attacks from the right. Absolutely. But to a large extent, this is from this is from the left. And so I think they're also willfully allowing themselves to be swayed by pressure from mobs because it allows them to like uh, have some distance, like put some distance between the decision and them and their ideology, right? So if they say, well, you know, we didn't choose to ban Alex Jones. We just waited and like, you know, we knew that if we didn't, so basically look, if you don't ban Alex Jones, you know that mainstream media is gonna try and pile on and get you to ban Alex Jones. You know that there's gonna be a bunch of, you know, social justice warriors who comb through, like you said, comb through his old tweets and try and do and, something. So you know you're gonna get reporters. mob pressure, then you just have to cave to it, right? Yeah, and not yeah. just not just um, rando SJWs, but, uh, the one of the points that Tim Pool made was you had Oliver CNN, Darcy. Yeah. Oliver Darcy, you had CNN journalists combing his 
his uh, Twitter feed trying to find things that would might apply and then and then gloating about it on air. Like we got him banned. Is that the job of CNN to go and get right. this person that they. Who, right. who's but that that doesn't happen on the other side, though, Carrie. Right? No, and, and I agree. And they let they let Twitter get away with implying that, like, well, you never know where a mob's coming from. Like, yeah, maybe technically you never know where an individual you mob is coming from. But like the vast majority of these mobs are coming from people like Oliver Darcy. Yeah, with one caveat. One thing that's interesting that I've started to notice is happening in the past couple of years is people on the right are learning that, hey, if you form these mobs and you get outraged about stuff that maybe we shouldn't be outraged about because it's free speech. Like, in other words, if we act like SJWs, maybe we can get people banned too. And that started to happen. And I grapple with this a lot because on the one hand, I understand why it's happening. I, uh, Cernovich sometimes will, will you know, he, he highlights hypocrites. He highlights people like, uh, who was it? Um, James Gunn. So after Roseanne Barr faced the mob and was treated yep. one way, then he pointed out, well, look at James Gunn's creepy tweets about pedophilia and uh and so then the right was doing this too and so i have i have mixed opinions about this on the one hand i understand why people are on the right are doing it because it's it's trying to point out a double standard and it's trying to point out hypocrisy and make people live by the rules that they claim to live like make them live by their own rules i totally understand it on the other hand and this is maybe more of a uh spiritual kind of conversation or whatever but on the other hand i I wonder, I, I feel like that is the road to becoming a hypocrite yourself because now you're engaging in behavior that you seemingly oppose. You know, if you're saying like, yeah, I don't believe that, uh, I don't believe that SJW should form these mobs and go after people for having a different opinion and try to get them fired. But then you do it to prove that point. It's that it's again, it comes back to that Nietzsche quote I think about a lot, which is become, you know, uh, be careful lest you become the monsters you fight. It's like, it's, you're walking a very thin line there of like, like, I don't believe this is cool. I'm going to show you why by doing it to you or, or holding you to your rules. Well, it's like, but now, now it's my role. Cause now I'm engaged, you know, now I'm engaging in it. Yeah. So. And I, 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 I don't think that's a straightforward question to answer because, mm -mm. um, you know, in the one, in the one hand, you could say you should take the moral high ground. On the other hand, uh, taking the moral high ground often just doesn't work. Like mm -hmm. they just keep getting away with it. So, um, you know, there is the philosophy of like, you know, you can lower your standards to those of your enemy to, for the fight. Like if you're in a fist fight and someone, you know, whips out a gun, you can whip out a gun. Like you don't have to keep fighting back with your fist. It's wrong, but they initiated it. Right. So you're um, saying like the principle of non-aggression, like if they hit you first, then you defend yourself. The initiation of force. I can see how it's viewed that way. I'm not sure where I stand. I'm like, I think it is a slippery slope. It's it, You do have to be careful, though, for the reasons that you're outlining, because you may just become the person who's dogpiling all the time. That, right? that's, so, my that's my fear is like, I, I find this really interesting. So thank you for allowing me to talk about it for a second. I just... At what point did you become? You don't stand for anything anymore because now you're engaging in the behavior, the very behavior that you're trying to criticize. Right. So that's the only. Re I, I mean, I have mixed feelings about. It. And again, I completely understand why people on the right are starting to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have mixed feelings as well, and I don't know. But by the way, Laura is pointing out on chat something that's uh, important um, to to point out about the Alex Jones clip, which I wasn't clear about. Um, cause I, I wasn't clear myself on it. So thank you, Laura, for pointing it out. Al Alex played that clip cause he was defending 
himself. He was saying like, I'm not the perpetrator in this video. And he played a longer clip to show that it wasn't him. So it was like, he was banned for self-defense. Wow. Basically. <laughs> um, like so, Megan Murphy, second strike was pointing out her first strike. Right. <laughs> and what was wrong with it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and you know, the other thing that they did um, with with Alex was they they took some stuff he said out of context. You know, I, if you've ever seen Alex Jones, actually his Joe Rogan, uh, his recent appearance on Joe Rogan is, I mean, it's a blast in the it's sense super that entertaining. Like, they, yeah, I mean, they talk about aliens. The guy's got some crazy <laughs> beliefs, right? Um, but you know, generally like an interesting fellow. But uh, he he um he, the, he Alex Jones can talk and talk for eight hours straight without taking a breath, and just hit on a whole variety of things. He goes on really, really long, uh, sometimes frenetic uh, diatribes about things. And in in the context of a show he was doing, um, he was talking about kind of the inevitability of, of, of the Civil War and blah, blah, blah. And they took some stuff he said out of context and said, look, he's, he's saying to go after the media with, with firearms. Which is that's not at all what he was saying. That's not what he was saying. No. And and so it's a, an outright lie. But on top of being an outright lie, it also contradicts what Twitter was saying earlier, which was like, well, we're caring more about targeted attacks. Well, the media is not a targeted attack. That's not an attack on a person. That's a general thing. So even if he was saying all the all reporters should be shot, that's a horrible thing to say. But it's not a specific threat against a specific person. It's just a bad opinion. Um, and, and they rightfully pointed out, Tim rightfully pointed out the hypocrisy there because you had blue checkmark journalists, celebrities, and politicians calling for all kinds of horrible things against the Covington kids. You, there was a uh, entertainment producer who posted that they should all be put in the wood chipper. I mean, there were people, right. there were there were death right. threats against these kids, actual death threats against specific kids. And yep. that's... That's cool. Those people are still tweeting. And and again, they they selectively apply these things and then they shield themselves by saying, well, the three strikes rule. Well, I'm sure if you were as motivated as you were to ban conservatives, you could go through that wood chipper guy's feed and find two other strikes. You know, that's what they do. They were like, well, oh, they didn't even get... give him one strike, though. It's not even like no. they suspended him for 24 hours. Oh, I don't know that. if they well, maybe they did. But they, they her defense was we took that specific tweet down. Well, let's say they gave him a strike. Who knows? The point is. If he, if that were someone on the right, they would have then gone and found, or so, if that was someone who was a wrong thinker, they would have gone and looked for other strikes. One of their strikes against Milo was ridiculous. It was, uh, he said to someone, "If you were my kid, I would have dashed your head on a rock and tried again." <laughs> and they said that was a threat. That's not a threat. That's a very right. graphic insult. It's like a, you shouldn't have been born. Like you're horrible. Yeah. But but it's not a. He's not threatening. It's I don't rude. Think, it's rude, but no reasonable. But it's person. not a viable threat. Yeah. yeah, no reasonable person is thinks that Milo in that statement is threatening to go to this person's house and dash them their head on a. If you were my kid, I would have done this, right? Like that. It's a. It's right. an insult. It's not a threat. But they right. will look for these things and then interpret it in the worst possible way. Whereas when it's someone on the left, like Sarah Zhang, New York Times opinion writer, they or will Kathy interpret Griffin it in holding up a severed head. 
Right. Or Kathy Griffin and holding up a severed head or Kathy Griffin calling for the names in the doxing of these Covington kids. They will interpret it in the best possible way. So it, right. it's it's completely uh, uh, subjective. And, and I want to make I want to make one other point before I forget. This is uh, just about the Alex Jones thing again. When that happened, I was making the point in social media discussions that he was just he wasn't the first one that's been banned, right? Like we've, we've all, the list I was reading just off the top of my head, there've been people, oh, Benjamin was banned before him, you know, but he was the, I think it was important for two reasons. He was uh, the first one that I saw that was a multi-platform coordinated takedown where everyone except Twitter took him down. Um, they've since done that with others. I think the one against Gavin McGinnis was pretty coordinated. It I think seemed. that was coordinated. Yeah. yeah. But, um, that for, so for one, it was different in that it was a it was a cross platforms, and the second thing that I think was important about the Alex Jones one was that was a big fish. Uh, it's easy for them to take down people with moderate followings who aren't they're not going to raise that big of a stink. They don't have that many followers. Like if they were to take us out, what do we have? Four hundred people, maybe ten right, yeah, percent no of them would, would complain. Yeah, I don't, but, um, we have four hundred people. Wow. Yeah, we got four hundred forty. It's cool. <laughs> uh, no, I'm really excited about that. But the point is. With Alex Jones, they've got a huge fish, and it was a test. This is a test to see will the will the public react, and can we take out this very big target and see what happens? And guess what? Did no public didn't react. I had friends on the left, self-proclaimed liberals, engaging in very illiberal activities. A friend of mine, this one breaks my heart and makes me angry. A friend of mine who I greatly respect, a longtime friend, posting the. the the petition to get Alex Jones taken down from Twitter because he wasn't banned from enough platforms. And he was sharing this. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like you can object to him. You are advocating censorship. And here's another point. SJWs like to point out, well, it's not censorship unless it's done by the government and censorship. You're not your first amendment rights are, you know, they're not protected when it comes to private companies, blah, blah, blah. That's correct. There, but it's still censorship. There's there's legal censorship and illegal censorship. This is a form of legal censorship by a private company. It's still censorship. You are still supporting censorship. And you don't seem to, these people, it's like they don't realize, I was saying to him, this is just the first in a series. This is going to keep happening and it's going to escalate and it's going to reach, you know, you know that quote, first they came for, then they came for, then they came for. And by the time they came for me, there was nobody left to do anything. It's going to, they're going to keep expanding the category of wrong thinkers and you've been a part of that. So kudos. I know I'm angry, but it's like, congratulations to you, so-called liberal, for pushing this illiberal, illiberal censorship just because it's someone you don't agree with. Wait until it's someone you do. Wait until it's someone you do agree with. And then what happens? You know, yeah. makes no, thought, it's makes like, um, it's, it reminds me of a Yuri Brezmanov thing, which we've mentioned a couple of times, but when mm -hmm. he was describing how the Soviet Union, you know, they used intellectuals in countries that they were trying to subvert. And those very intellectuals that pushed all of the, their agenda for them and swept away the culture that they were trying to destroy, eh, those were the ones that were killed when the Soviet Union actually put their real people and came in because they don't want people who are fighting culture. They, they want obedient soldiers. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, There's all an these image. people who are like, dude, you know, pushing for this stuff, you're not going to be in charge at the end of the day. You're dead. There was a, there's a really, it's um, not a threat, by the way. There's a really, I know. <laughs> There's a really telling photo, Carter. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was at it's from the I think it was from the Berkeley protests against Milo when Antifa went and started smashing up businesses and, and spray painting and assaulting people like your friend. Um, somebody, some Antifa member spray painted on a building 
liberals get the bullet too. And then it had the hammer and the sickle. I mean, oh. that says everything. That image yeah. says everything. Liberals get the yeah. bullet too. They do. So who, yeah. watch who your bed. Actually, with. communists get the bullet too. Yeah. Like, it, like outright communists will still get the bullet because they won't be the right communists. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's, man, we, man, we can keep going. There's, there's so much else I want to talk about. Let's let's stop going through individual okay. accounts, right? But okay. um, there was something that I found really arrogant about um, Jack's attitude, and and also uh, indicative of his failure to understand his own bias again. Um, and this is this idea. Jack repeatedly talked about what he called his, the goal was to have. Um, let me see if I can find the the quote. The goal is to have healthy. To, to foster like health, healthy public conversation was his goal. And Tim pointed this out, but uh, it seemed to fall on deaf ears. I mean, he, he kind of was like, yeah, whatever. But the idea of like, what is healthy public conversation? What does that mean? Mm. By whose standards is the conversation healthy? And it strikes me as odd that Twitter views themselves, they think that their role, and they're very clear about this. This isn't me like reading into anything. They, they talked about this. They think that their role is to manipulate public discourse on their platform so that it happens in a way that they view as healthy. Now, that's pretty arrogant, right? I mean, there are, what, seven and a half billion people on the planet Presumably, Twitter would like all of them to be on their platform eventually. So they're all target customers. Um, and they think that they should moderate and manipulate conversations so that people be interact with each other in the right ways. That's they're extremely the, arrogant. Yes, yeah, um, the, they're the moral arbiters. Like, they get to decide. Yeah, yeah and and and... Which is why I'll go back to what I said earlier. The only really moral position here is to be like, I'm stepping out, right? I'm, I'm neutral on this. Unless you declare yourself an arbiter and say like, this is gonna be a space where we push social justice. Like, okay, fine, you're, you're honest about it. Um, but uh, so they've got that. And, and they also seemed to not understand something which was really, I, I don't understand how, how they hold these two beliefs simultaneously. And I wrote about this in this article, but on the one hand, Jack thinks that through incentives and manipulation, he can change people's behavior because people are malleable and they'll evolve to do the things he wants and to behave in a healthy manner. On the other hand, he thinks that if they continually reward sensitivity by allowing you to get your nemesis kicked off of Twitter because they said a trigger word you didn't like, that that won't affect your behavior. You won't evolve to be a hypersensitive snowflake and like... It's, and it's ty weird... tyrannical and authoritarian. Right. So you're creating, like, if people are malleable, Jack, then you're creating a bunch of little sniveling tyrants. Yes. On, on, that's what you're doing. And if people aren't malleable, then stop trying to manipulate them to behave better on your platform. But you can't have sure. it both ways. Um, and it's, it's really arrogant and also just ignorant, the, the approach. And I think it really stems from just kind of this weird pragmatic say things the shareholders like and keep my private jet and whatever, like I mixed with 
belief in social justice. Yeah, you know? that's a so, great point. Um, I, I don't know. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, the best, you said the most moral, the most neutral approach is to just allow free speech. Hey, and um, the gab, one of the things that irks me is when platforms try to do this to provide an alternative. You know, you always hear this refrain, well, if you don't like it, start your own company, start your own company. Well, people have tried, but they're thwarted. They have to jump through so many hoops. They're thwarted at every level by all of these other social media companies and tech companies. So Gab is a great example that it's an alternative to Twitter. If you guys haven't gotten on it, you should get on it, especially if you're on the left, get on Gab because they need more people on the left. Um, Gab is, has been, so what happened first? The mainstream media did their predictable hit pieces, SJW hit pieces. They call it a haven for white nationalists. They call it an alt-right platform. They call it all the same lies that they call Tim Pool, uh, you know, or Jordan Peterson or me or whoever, like Nazis and all that stuff. Um, so they try to make it radioactive so that people on the left won't go there and that it won't survive. And then in addition to that, you've got Google, uh, Google Play, and uh, you've got uh, the uh, uh, iPhone, Apple, will not approve their app. So they, right. they have to, and, and selectively, the reasons they're given for not being approved is, well, there's the, this objectionable thing was said by some Gab user and this thing. And, and yes, well, here's things that were said on Twitter. <laughs> you can get the Twitter app on your phone or Android. So again, Google and Apple are discriminating against your internet service provider has been against my Every step of the way, they have to fight to get the same access and to reach the same people and to get the platform out there in a way that's just handed to companies like Twitter because they're part of the ideological, they're part of the SJW echo chamber. If you're outside of it and you're trying to be a competitor, they're going to stop all these different companies are going to stomp on you. I mean, we even banks are now discriminating. Wasn't there a bank yeah. that just, uh, uh, just dropped, was it Tommy Robinson or somebody who, who was a, um, I don't remember who it was, but Tim Poole did mention this, that Chase Bank was dropping people. Oh, Joe Biggs. Um, Joe Biggs, the, oh. his, his bank was like, hey, sorry, can't bank with us anymore. <laughs> like, right, what? right. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, I, I lost my train of thought. But okay. yeah, you, you're totally right. No, no, you're totally right. And um, it's, uh, it is scary because you do have companies like Apple and Google, again, I think actually, you know, as much as we can complain about Twitter or Facebook or whatever, the real gatekeepers, given mobile use, mobile phone usage, the real gatekeepers are Google and Apple. Um, because if you can't make an app that Apple will approve, that really hurts. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, no one seems to be, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe Tim Pool should interview. Uh, I doubt he'd come on a show, but I, maybe he should be talking to Tim Cook. Um, because Apple is is a big problem here because it does make it difficult for um, companies like Gab. Oh, I know what I was going to say about Gab. Um, people say, like you're saying, people say like, well, it's the dregs. It's like Nazis and horrible people that are on Gab, right? Um, there's some truth to that, but you got to understand, you, you have to look past that and, and get on it anyway. And the reason for that is there will net, so any alternative to the, the dominant player, so Twitter's the dominant player, any alternative by definition will first have the worst people on it. Yes. Because the worst people will be the first people removed from Twitter. So yes. they're going to go to the alternative platform. So the alternative platform is going to start with the worst people. <laughs> yes. But 
And so that doesn't mean that the platform is about the worst people. It doesn't mean only the worst people should join the platform. It doesn't mean the platform supports the worst people. It means, well, the worst people were the ones to get kicked off Twitter first, right? Yes. But eventually, um, you know, the more and more mainstream people or reasonable people join, the more it dilutes the crazy voices on, on, on platforms like Gab and uh, the more it hurts Twitter. And we really do need to, you know, I'm, we can talk about regulation if you want. I'm not a fan of regulation. Um, and uh, I don't think Twitter should be regulated, but I do think they should be heavily criticized and destroyed in the market if possible, unless they change. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with this criticism. It's not to suggest that the government should step in. It's to suggest that either um, the board should fire Jack or, um, or people should, should run screaming to Gab or some other alternative. So you don't think this is something, a question I don't, I don't so have, I may not agree on that. So yeah, well, I don't have a definitive opinion on it yet. I've actually in conversations over the past year or so, I've been kind of asking people to tell me what they think. Cause I, I don't really know what I think about it yet. I, I've started to lean towards the idea that perhaps some of these social media companies should be regulated because I'm not, and I'm not saying I, again, I'm, I'm still trying to make up my mind, but the argument that they are sort of like utilities makes sense to me. If the phone company was like, Carter, we don't like what you say on the phone to carry. You're not going to be able to use the phone anymore. Like that, it's is it? Does that argument hold any water for you, or am I looking at it? You and I would use Signal a lot more. No, it, it doesn't hold water for me, and, and here's why. First of all, okay. um, look, PG&E just went bankrupt in California. You don't want your phone apps like in a, a regulated. Like, there's not going to be innovation. They'll be pieces of crap. Like, look at regulated. Like, regulated utilities suck, right? So. <laughs> you gotta understand that, like, okay, right off the bat, right? They, they, they suck. Um, they, they're mismanaged. There's like politics involved. It's, it's, it gets to be a mess. But more importantly, there's a couple. There's a moral issue about not regulating them. Um, but I can put that aside for a moment and just talk about some practical issues. One of the practical issues is when we talk about the importance of of, of a, a competitor like Gab. Um, you know. Let's just pretend, I, I don't know a lot about Gab's background, but I, I think they, they're dedicated to the freedom of speech much more than, than Twitter is, right? In an ideal yes. world, right? An ideal world, Gab would rise. It may take 10 years, right? So you may have to be patient. But in an ideal world, Gab would rise and Twitter would fall and die because they're, because they're censoring and they're dishonest, right? And Gab would eventually win, right? Or... Twitter would change its ways. Gab would give it competitive pressure and Twitter would realize we got to get rid of this Jack guy. He's a, you know, he's a liar. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in free speech. We need someone like the CEO of Gab to come in and run Twitter, right? Um, and, and, and the board would make that decision and Twitter would change. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the ultimate goal because what you want is you want privately run companies who are behaving well and providing the service that we all want. And, you know, that service um, isn't going to evolve well if it's a highly regulated. So if that's your goal, you got to understand how regulations destroy Gab, right? And, and any potential Gab coming along. Do you, are you familiar, Carrie, with the term regulatory capture? I'm not. 
And actually, you've I, I like this part of the conversation because uh, this you've touched upon an area that Carrie knows very little about. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, in basically any industry, you need people to write regulations um, if it's going to be a regulated industry. So, uh, the worst and most egregious example is the banking industry, I think. Um, maybe there's a worse one if someone can suggest a worse one. Um, and of course, when you hire people to write the regulations and to enforce the regulations, you build a bureaucracy, which is great. Taxes go up, whoop de doo So you build a bureaucracy to, to manage these regulations and someone has to write and enforce and interpret these regulations. And well, where are you going to get experts in this field? Well, in the banking industry, you get them from people who've worked at banks because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's where they come from right and so often there's a revolving door between you know work at chase for 10 years go work at the <laughs> treasury for 10 years go back to to you know chase again or citibank and sit on the board because now you have connections there's like this revolving door of um you know uh people moving between private industry and the government. And, and what that creates is it means that the biggest, most powerful companies that are around when the regulations are formed, um, they get to write and they get to influence how the regulations are written and interpreted. So okay. they are inevitably written and interpreted for the benefit of the existing players. The big right? companies. Of course. Why wouldn't you? In fact, you have a... If you're the CEO of Twitter and they start writing regulation, let's say, let's say the government says we're going to start regulating Twitter, Jack has a fiduciary responsibility to his shareholders to spend money on lobbyists and to push regulators in there that will help Twitter shareholders by giving an unfair advantage to Twitter. If he doesn't do that, the board will fire him and get someone who will do that, right? They understand the importance of this, the importance mm -hmm. of being on the government's buddy-buddy list and being tight with regulators, right? So- In fact, it's funny because uh, he and the lawyer, I noticed, had like a little inside joke about spending a lot of time in DC. Right, oh, you don't know, I've spent so much time. Yeah, she said that like she was bragging and it made me want to take yeah. a shower. Um, so anyway, <laughs> yeah, so, 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 that, so that, that happens, you get, you get regulatory capture, right? And then what inevitably happens is, um, and this is just a function of regulations, when you have regulations, they cost money. Now, if you've never run a business, and especially if you've never started a company, um, you may not understand this. So this is something you really, have to, you really have to think about. Having regulations cost money. You have to hire lawyers. Lawyers are, by the way, insanely expensive. They're like 900 bucks an hour here in Silicon Valley, okay? You, you, you have got to hire lawyers to interpret and um, make sure that you're complying with regulations. So you probably have compliance officers, lawyers, you've got a lot of bloat that you've got to do. Now, that bloat, but the, the total cost of, let's say I build a platform that's just like Twitter. Well, um, they might have more volume of tweets, but in general, the difference between how much they have to spend to comply with regulations on their platform and how much I have to spend is, is probably not very great, right? But as a percentage of our income, well, if I'm making no money at first and I'm just trying to like struggle and have a new platform, that's a huge percentage of my 
income, if I even have any income or my savings or whatever it is, my, my venture capital money that's in the bank, right? I've got to now spend it on, instead of building a platform and competing with Twitter, I've got to spend it on regulations. Now for Twitter, it's a drop in the bucket. They've got plenty of money. And so lawyers are cheap for Twitter, but lawyers are very expensive for newcomers. And so regulations by their very nature, keep competition at bay. They keep new companies at bay. And if Twitter were heavily regulated, you would never see the rise of Gab. That wouldn't happen because no one's going to lay the capital out to comply with all these regulations and work their way through the system for years and years because you're probably losing money for years until you hit a critical mass. And if you're adding regulatory uh, compliance on top of that, you're losing even more money. And so this is... Well, um, you're, uh, you're swaying me the other way now. So I... Yeah, that's very, it's very interesting. I, like I said, I've been trying to figure out what I think about this for a while. Large companies love I, regulations, uh, right? That's the thing. That's why when, when Zuckerberg was before Congress, right? He'd be like, oh yeah, I would be open to regulation, right? And like, and I don't think this is something that, <laughs> I don't think this is something Tim understood, frankly, because he was like, Jack, do you want to be regulated? And Jack didn't answer the question. But the answer is yes. Jack absolutely wants to be regulated because if he's regulated, all he's got to do is hire some lawyers, comply with the regulation, and then he's, he can wipe his hands clean and be like, I'm compliant, can't complain to me anymore. I'm done. I don't have the responsibility. I just have to cross my T's and dot my I's and hire some lawyers, which Gab can't afford because they don't make as much, as much money as I do. So yeah, now I don't have to, now I've, I've like, I've, I'm ensconced in, I've like solidified my position in the marketplace and I can like, it's smooth sailing from here on out. And every regulated industry like that, you see big behemoth companies that are very hard to unseat for that exact reason. So if that's what you want your social media to look like, I guess you can regulate Twitter. Uh oh, Carrie, we lost your sound. Sorry, can you hear oh, me now? You're back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was just saying I like, I, I thank you for sharing your thoughts on this. Cause uh, yeah, it's not something I know, I've have a strong opinion about yet, but you kind of pushed me the other way just in that conversation. Um, you yeah. are breaking up for me. I don't think you're breaking up for the viewers cause they would have said something in the chat, but uh, you broke up a little, to... you broke up a little while okay. as well. So I don't know what it was, but you came back um, and no one said anything about you breaking up. So maybe we're just both are a mess. Am I still breaking mm -hmm. up? Yeah, for me, you are. I, it's I probably my it's internet. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, anyway, uh, I will say it's also immoral, but we can have a discussion about the morality of regulations later. later. Um, yeah, any other, I don't know, what else, we've been going for a while. Is there anything else we need to kind of cover on this topic generally um, other than tell people like, try Gab, look for alternatives. I mean, we're still on Twitter. You kind of have to be there, but... Um, we need to be putting pressure in, and fighting them on this. Yeah, I think just look for and support alternatives. I mean, you and I have the same issue where we spend more time on Twitter than we do on Gab. And But I, I appreciate that you take the time to put episodes up on these other platforms. And once we get a social media intern, but, um, but your places, because I'm hopeful that at some point they're going to ban enough people that there'll be a critical mass of movement somewhere else Look, you know I, somebody somebody banned. pointed out yeah but somebody pointed out that's why they won't ban donald trump 
They could easily find, quote, three strikes right. against Donald Trump. But if Trump were banned, he would be like, hey, folks, join me on Gab or what? I don't know. He would pick make his own platform. The, yeah, and, I think and he that should actually it. do that. I, I think yeah. if Donald Trump really wants to have an effect, uh, you know, he keeps saying fake news and he could criticizing tech, tech companies. If he really cares, he deletes his Twitter account and moves to Gab. But he probably won't do that. Uh-oh, are you broken yeah. up again? No, no, there, you're, you're there. You're there. Yeah. I think we should wrap it up just because we're uh, uh, breaking up. And also, I have a, a I have to take a bunch of stuff to the before. No, I think we're at a we're at a good <laughs> we're at a good stopping point, Carrie. I don't think anyone heard that. I didn't because it was breaking up. Um, okay. I agree. Okay. We're at a good stopping point. We've gone for an hour and a half. Uh, we got to talk about some cool stuff. I would. Uh, I think there's more to talk about here, and maybe we can get some other yeah. people on the show who know more about this and and have a further discussion with us. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So, uh, Carrie, any final words before I do the, the sign-off? Nope. All righty. Um, well, thank you, everyone, for watching and or listening. Please go to unsafespace.com. Follow us on Twitter at unsafespace. We're on Gab, too. I think it's just unsafe on Gab. Um, but we're not on Gab very much. But please uh, subscribe uh, on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Share the content. Um, we really are trying to get this conversation to go far and wide. Uh, the, the, the more it's shared uh, and the more resources we can acquire, the better we can actually make this. Right now, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a car tires and chicken wire operation. And I uh, would really like to make it more professional and bring more important guests on and do some more interesting things. So please help us by sharing this content. Uh, it's also, by the way, all in podcast form, so you can always go to your favorite podcast app and look for Unsafe Space and hear the audio version of all these. So thanks again, everyone, and uh, we will see you next week. <laughs>